It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you had carte blanche, if you had the magic wand, then you could do what you wanted on the border to solve the problem or try to. How would you do it? I would re-implement the strategy that the United States Border Patrol had been working on and perfecting for 25, almost 30 years. What would I do is that simply continue to build out the border wall, that those requirements were developed by seasoned Border Patrol agents. There's got to be a consequence for illegal entry. You cannot let people just come up, wave a flag, and then release them into the U.S. to get their case heard five, six years later. They've already got the prize. They're already here. Rodney Scott talking about what he would do if he could fix the border. was so frustrated he left his job and Biden wanted him out. Biden's numbers of the border, 23% approve of the way he's handling it, 25% overall on immigration issues. This is tragic. Why won't someone have him address it, put on a jean shirt, go down there and start building the wall again? Have call a press conference and say we got to take extreme measures. Worse since he's been involved since the 1970s. I, gotta, I owe it to the American people in the middle of a pandemic to shut this thing down. And... Ask for maybe some consulates to open up in the Central and South America and make it easier for people to apply the right way, taking coronavirus tests first, and maybe do that. To me, that's the way you handle something like this. You react to crises, and the poll numbers give you the freedom to act because what you're doing now is not embraced. So Republican governors got together on the urging of Senator Cruz in Texas. So the uh, the governors came together, and they put together a 10-point plan to end the border crisis. I'll just share some of it. Continue Title 42 public health restrictions. Fully reinstate the migration protection protocols. Uh, Finish securing the border. We paid for it already. End catch and release. That would be great. I wonder if they have the heart for that because Obama got some blowback for for the wild left that he has because he deported a lot of people. Clear uh, judicial backlog. I don't know how you do that. They are so backlogged then. Do you fly judges in massively, set up almost pop tents? Uh, pup tents in the area, pop them up and just send people through. Clear the judicial backlog, resume the deportation of all criminals, of course. Now they're saying criminals can stay if they're not a threat. Really? So they can knock off a bank, but they won't shoot anybody. They can stay. Dedicate federal resources to eradicate human trafficking and drug trafficking. Yesterday, Bill Malusian put up some video. He tweeted it out of drug cartel members in full camouflage and machine guns over their chest taunting the Texas Border Patrol. Re-enter all agreements with the North Triangle Partners in in Mexico? I don't know. Uh, Re-enter? I would say re-engage those those meetings and seeing, uh, having incentives for them to keep people back. And not only will you get your aid, you'll get more. If not, you'd get none. Deploy more federal law enforcement officers. Not likely. People really don't want that job. Marco Rubio weighed in. He knows a lot of this is preventable. He also knows, as a member of the Hispanic community Cuba via Cuba, that it is not bad to crack down on the border if you want to win votes in the Hispanic community because you do it with humanity and say there's a reason why we have a system. Use it. The crazy thing is Kamala Harris should be doing this. Cut 25. 
Kamala Harris shouldn't be the border czar. She's not doing anything. And if she's the one that's actually running this, then they need to find somebody else. And that's what I've asked them to do. Second, it begins with accepting the reality. Okay, just alone, just Haitian migrants alone. There's between 90 and 120,000 Haitian migrants. Some of whom have been living in Chile or Ecuador for the better part of 10 years. Who now uh, those countries ran out of jobs, and so now they're looking to make the journey north. They are at various stages of transit, and we are being told that by country after country in the region. That's just from Haiti alone. Not not to mention the other places. And if you talk to people at the border or people that have crossed, they will all tell you the same thing. They expect to get into the United States. They expect to enter. They expect to be released, pending an asylum hearing that many have no intention to show up for. And when they make the journey, they call back home. They let other people know about it. And it encourages more people to do the same. So that is Marco Rubio, who gets his hands dirty in these issues and cannot believe how inept this administration has been so far. And the approval ratings at 23 and 25 percent show the American people are fed up with it. With me right now, if you're watching Fox Nation, you recognize we're privileged to have with us Ambassador Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina. Uh, governor, welcome back. Thanks so much. It's always fun to be I here. I guess I can call you uh, anything. I see you uh, all around now. But uh, I was stunned uh, by these numbers from the Quinnipiac poll. For the most part, if I say Nikki Haley, we gave it, we have a Q poll coming. If you're a Republican, you don't expect it to be positive. But the Democrat, to have 34% approval rating from the Quinnipiac poll, what does that tell you? You know, it's so interesting. I had a Democrat say, you know, do you think that the abortion issue is going to drive people to the polls? And I said, no, what's going to drive people to the polls is the border issue, the Afghanistan issue, the inflation issue, the tax and spend issue. Like, the, what's happening with mandates and all of those things. There is nothing that he is doing that is satisfying independents right now, Republicans, and a lot of the conservative Democrats. So what do you do now uh, effectively to get that border under control? I know the Republican governors went down and gave him a 10-point plan. This administration doesn't want to hear about it. But if the polls are like this, it doesn't matter what you want to hear. What are they going to do? Like, what, who are they? Who are they pleasing with this lack of policy? You know, and at least show up. Like Kamala Harris, that's your borders are, and Biden hasn't even gone to the border. You can't fix what you can't touch. They have to go there. He's got to stop waving the green flag, telling everybody to come. He's got to stop giving everyone automatic citizenship or saying that they want to get them to vote. All these things are signals that tell them to come. And it's dangerous what's happening under the bridge for the people who are coming, and it's dangerous for the people that live in the area. So. How is this different from what you remember you were governor at the time then President Obama handled it? Well, I mean, look, I think that they want to say, oh, we're a free and open country. We should let these people come. But President Obama did the same thing. He would not vet any of the refugees that were coming. He would not vet anyone. He just let them go. I mean, here you're going to put vaccine mandates on people, but you're not even testing the people at the border. I mean, think about it. And then your way of dealing with the Haitian immigrants is you're going to pick them up, fly them to some other place in the country so that nobody can see it. It's as bad as I've ever seen. Like, it couldn't get worse than it is. I, I don't understand the jurisdiction. The governor's never informed. Rick Scott, I remember after the Orlando shooting, I was with him, and he, he had got reports while I was sitting there of a whole bunch of migrants landing the night before in a neighboring city. And he said, wait a second, I'm the governor. Why don't people check with me? They don't, they don't have to check with the governor? No, and Obama didn't check with us either. Though that that was the Obama years. Yep. So isn't isn't that bizarre? No, it is very bizarre because they're hoping you won't notice. 
That's the goal is they just want to slide people under the radar and they're hoping you won't notice. But you know who does notice? Parents, when they see what's happening in their schools. Doctors, when they see people at the hospitals that don't have insurance. I mean, all of these things, it builds up on our society and they think that no one's going to notice, but they do notice. So I appreciate you coming in. I know how busy you've been. And also people need your expertise, whether it's running a state, the immigration issues, uh, what we're spending or running the world. What we're seeing now is since Afghanistan, I, I see America's credibility dropping like no other time in my lifetime. And I'm wondering, did that come up when you gave your speech at the Reagan Library? Yeah, I mean, I look, what I'm trying to say is we are best when we are strong. Other countries want us to be strong. I mean, there's something very telling based on what happened with Afghanistan. That Here you have China doing, you know, flying planes over Taiwan. They fly 32 planes over Taiwan. Blinken goes, you better stop. This isn't good. They go and fly 52 more. They're not scared of us. No one's scared of America anymore. No one thinks that America's going to stand with their allies. No one thinks they're going to hold any of their enemies accountable. They're just ignoring us right now. Knowing that nation building is not popular, nor is it feasible, and we should be learning. And it never works. It never works. But we can be that ideal that people look at. We can give them the template to say and be an ally and an asset. Here's you at the, with giving your speech with, uh, at the Reagan Library and talking about America's principles, which seems to be something that's rare these days. Cut 35. No, America isn't perfect, but the principles at the heart of America are perfect. And the story doesn't stop there. The founders set a standard for America to meet, and they summoned the American people to meet it. If you're reading a woke history book, you'd never know it. But if you're reading a real history book, you will meet the heroes who pursued the promise of freedom, equality, and justice for all. That promise sparked a fire in the hearts of Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, and the abolitionists who brought in a slavery to an end. So true. Would, that would have been a perfect time to talk about my book, but you chose not to. Why not, Ambassador? I mean, because <laughs> hey, I, I'm <laughs> all excited about right. your book. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, but but you're 100% right. It's because things weren't perfect. They were, uh, for the African-Americans, who were a brutal experience up until 1860, for the most part, in the, uh, in the South. In the North, only 1% of the African-American population was located there. So you are as also a minority in this country. You are able to tackle that with a degree of credibility as governor and ambassador. And you also get a chance to see the outside perspective of America. Are you stunned what's happened over the last few years of this self-loathing we seem to be going through? You know, I think it's incredibly dangerous to our national security, to our pride, to our children, is this national self-loathing is so off base. Those Haitians didn't come here because, you know, we are an evil country or we're a racist country. They came here because we're a free country. Great Everybody point. wants the freedom that we have. We There's some things in this country that have gone wrong, but there's a whole lot that's gone right. And you look at the freedoms that we have. When I was at the United Nations, everybody wanted that. Everybody wanted that. So we need to stop hating on ourselves right. and start realizing that when we spread our freedoms around the world, the world is better. All right, we're going to take a short time out, come back more with uh, Ambassador Nikki Haley in just a moment. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. He asked me, he said, what's the situation? And I explained exactly. Uh, he was. He had not been aware of that. He literally had not been aware of what had transpired. And I don't want to go into the details of it, but suffice it to say, 
that, uh, that the president, uh, uh, my president, is very committed to um, uh, strengthening the relationship. John Kerry, where he's most comfortable in France on French TV, saying that give my president a break. He wasn't told about the nuclear sub deal that trumped the sub deal from France because ours are better. Australia made the purchase. Uh, what do you say? So about that? embarrassing. Right. So embarrassing. I mean, what a horrible message to send, not just to France, to the world that the president of the United States doesn't know transaction-wise what's happening and doesn't know that our one of our allies is upset with us. I, I just, I can't even believe he said it. He could have even made something up, but don't say that. Nikki Haley's here, by the way. Uh, as you an ambassador, did you do a lot of interviews with other countries? Yeah, at times you would do it, especially if you were there. You would do some media there. And the one thing we always did was we showed strength of America. We showed, we told exactly where America stood, exactly what America was against, so that there was no gray. People knew where we stood. They didn't have to like us. Right. But I always made sure that they respected us. But is it easy to not be aware that this interview on another channel is actually going to get out? Do you think John Kerry understood that this was going to be world news and he just embarrassed the guy who made him climate czar? He had to know what he was doing. But the worst part is he's not just climate czar. He sits on the National Security Council. He would have been in the meetings when they were discussing this. Wow. So did they not have the meeting? That was the first thing that came to my mind is, wait, you sit on the National Security Council. Anything foreign relations like that, was the president not at your National Security Council meeting? Does that mean he's not going to those? What else are y'all not telling him? I know, and it's just amazing, and I know we always say what aboutism, but can you imagine if you got into a conflict as you an ambassador and the French recalled their uh, their ambassador? First time in history. They would be like, this Donald Trump, he's so, you know, thuggish, he doesn't understand international relations, he alienated another ally. But he alienated another ally. And our, and the uh, countries at the U.N. would have been too scared to do that with Donald Trump. They never would have done that because they knew how strong we were. Never in my time did I think that the NATO countries would be meeting and talking and negotiating without the U.S. When, would the, when did this happen? They recently, they said that France and Macron and all that, they're now starting to discuss where they go because they don't think the U.S. should be there and they don't think they need to have these conversations with the U.S. It's a problem. Did you think Gahani was a problem when you were there uh, in Afghanistan? I, you know, he was, that was a, a corrupt government, right? So it was never, I mean, Ghani was always kind of um, passive and they always wanted a lot from America. But the thing that we did with Afghanistan is we told them what we expected of them. That's the thing. But I mean, my husband can tell you anybody that served in Afghanistan knew that they would not be able to stand alone. They were incapable. Didn't mean they didn't want to sacrifice. Didn't mean that they didn't lose a lot of brothers in the process. But what it did mean was they needed leadership. And to skip out in the middle of the night, leaving Bagram Air Force Base and not telling your allies, you couldn't have killed the morale of the people in Afghanistan any more than they did. I hear you. When you put together that speech, the Reagan Library, I know Mike Pompeo made one recently, too. What were you hoping to get across? What went into that speech for you? Because you're really defining what's next for your career. I mean, well, what I hoped in that speech was stop complaining. We've got to get to work. We've got to strengthen our country again. And, you know, you strengthen our country by understanding our resolve, understanding that we're the freest, fairest country 
that there is, the best country in the world, let's get back to being that. And you do that by being strong. You do that by appreciating our freedoms. You do that by spreading that word to everyone that you come in front of. Don't sit there and praise people who hate America. Like, that's not what we should be doing. You should be praising people who love America. Understood. Here's an excerpt from that Cut 34. Then Senator Obama said, quote, we are one American family. There's not a black America and a white America, a Latino America and an Asian America. There's the United States of America. We are one people, all of us pledging allegiance to the stars and stripes. Can you imagine any prominent Democrat making that statement today? No. Even though a similar speech was made at the inaugural, but look at the actions that followed, which is more important. You had a chance to get an infrastructure deal and say, I had 19 colleagues in the Senate and probably 50 in the House Republicans. And even though it would have, Donald Trump would have hated it, they would have said, I did something Donald Trump didn't do. He didn't go for the win there. Why would a 78-year-old who's been in government this long not understand the benefits of getting a win when it's handed to you? There's not an American out there that would say these last nine months haven't been about total division, division of race, division of mandates, division of immigration, everything you can imagine. They have done nothing but criticize America. And it's it's a national security threat for us because we look so distracted right now in the eyes of the world. And it's terrible for our children and what they're seeing. This is not how I grew up. I grew up knowing that we were blessed to live in America. But I grew up also knowing that we had to be a part of making it better. I, I remember reading in your book, you talked about it wasn't easy for you. Even within the administration, you had to assert yourself and you'd say, I gotta re- I'm got i going to be on the cabinet. But in the last minute remaining, why were you so confident that you could go from governor to ambassador? It came off. I don't know anyone that's been critical of your term there, but most people are in awe of it. Why were you confident? Because I knew that if I went and communicated the strengths of America— And if I did it in the way that was in line with President Trump, that we would come out of it stronger. And I was blessed to serve the country I love so much. I wanted every country in the world to see why we're so great. And you got the Oval Office goodbye. They're the only one I can remember. How are you and the president, former president getting along? He's a friend. He knows that I will do whatever we can to make his legacy good. I believed in every policy he ever passed. I was proud to be a part of the administration. And I'm so psyched you're here. Uh, it was great thanks to, so much. Uh, thanks so much for putting us on your places to visit list now that you're in New York. Ambassador Nikki Haley, thank you. Thanks. Congrats on the book. I can't wait to read it. All right. I'm going to give you a free copy or at great. least discount. Nice. <laughs> From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.